<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it good. It'll, 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 it'll have energy. It's not going to be anything fancy. <laughs> Here we go. You have dialed in to the Carolina Line. My name, Kevin Donnelly, with me, Al Wallace, 10 years in the NFL, former Carolina Panther. I also was a former Panther, 13 years in the NFL. And when we're talking Carolina line, it's everything about the Carolina O-line, D-line, how it affects the rest of the game. Plus, you'll get all of our input along the way, the last game, versus, I don't even remember who we played. Atlanta Falcons. Why did you bring it up? I wanted to forget it. I, I wanted it was a tough too. game. It was tough. Ugly. That one hurts. We can't beat the Falcons. And I lose sleep, man. Yeah. Well, that's why sleep. I think Kelly decided to take a day off today. So, Kelly Bardick's not with us today. Um, she'll be back uh, in two weeks because we're going to take next week off. I'll remind you guys after the, after the show today that um, we won't have one next week. But stay in tune with our Twitter and and the news around Roaring Riot and their podcast, because we might be able to sneak one in. Uh, we got to tell you that uh, Alan and I will be leaving for the Bahamas next Monday. Paradise. As, as part of the bowl trip That's for right. the UNC Charlotte 49ers going to their first bowl game ever. They got selected to the Bahamas Bowl. Al, of course, does color radio for them for their football broadcast. I work in uh, operations with UNC Charlotte. Uh, when I'm not talking about the Carolina Panthers or doing things right. for them. So anyway, we're back to the game. Ugh. A game I wanted to forget. You reminded me of a 40-20 to 20 loss to the Atlanta Falcons. Al, a tough game. A tough game. Very tough game. I mean, it's just disappointing. Um, you know, coach gets fired. Coach Ron Rivera gets fired on Tuesday. A lot of changes uh, in the front office. Perry Fuels now the interim head coach. And the guys, you know, they – we're playing this one for Ron Rivera. Well, I can guarantee you wherever Ron Rivera was, he was not happy about that. I know he said it was too soon. He wasn't going to watch this football game. Wasn't a lot to watch. Wasn't a lot of positives in there. But we'll break it down. We'll get down and dig inside those offense and defensive lines, some of the X's and O's, uh, some of the things that happened that we saw that we're going to break down for you here today. Well, and you mentioned – you know, the head coach, Ron Rivera, former head coach, uh, I think he did say he was maybe playing some golf with another couple, mm-hmm. uh, maybe over at Carmel Country Club where uh, he and Stephanie's wife are members. And I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend an afternoon. It was a beautiful day on Sunday what? here. So uh, probably this was, I heard his wife shot a 72, which was remarkable. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, man. So he, he had a lot more fun. I've never seen 72. He had a lot maybe more Maybe on the front half <laughs> of a golf course. Maybe through – 12, 13 oh, holes. Oh, man. Jeez. You better add. Yeah, Al and I aren't in that range, but uh, maybe one day. One day. We're too busy right now doing all these podcasts. Yeah. So, but this is fun. Now, you brought up Coach Rivera. We haven't had a chance on our podcast to comment about it, but just maybe a quick comment on, on Coach Rivera and um, the Panthers separating ways with him. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, I think I'll echo what everyone else said. He was just a great guy. A guy I met in 1999, I was with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the linebackers coach, uh, which seems odd because I'm a defensive end on uh, Andy Reid's coaching staff, and they tried to convert me. And every time I saw Ron, no matter where where we were, many how many times I see him throughout the course of the year, whoever I'm with, he'll say, can you believe we tried to make this guy a linebacker? And, uh, <laughs> you know, we always joke about play-action pass 
plays when I'm supposed to be dropping in coverage, I was on the quarterback. I was gone. Yeah. I was trained to go forward. So uh, we had that bond. He was very good to me, uh, taught me everything I knew about a uh, linebacker. It didn't work out. Obviously, I'm not a linebacker, but uh, he gave me every possible chance to be successful. Ended up getting cut and going to Chicago after that. But he was a great coach, a great football player, a great mind, and you can see – from every comment that anybody he's touched has said about him, he was a great man. And I think he's okay with that. When you heard uh, the reporters ask that question at his uh, exit press conference there, you can see the emotion. That's what he wants to be remembered as. A, a great football coach, but a great man. Yeah, and that it definitely was his character. Um, came in from the get-go. I, I met him pretty much a couple weeks right after he was hired and uh, just extended an invitation to him to, to come to a charity event that I do every off season in March. And he shows up, you wow. know, and he'd just been with the team two weeks and um, carved some time out one evening on a, a Friday evening, I think in March that uh, came out there and supported the cause. And he didn't know me from anything. He just knew I was a former NFL player that I'd also played with the Carolina Panthers. And, um, you know, also along with that was, just feeling welcome at every practice. You know, it's um, different teams have different philosophies on how they handle yeah. their kind of their alumni, and, and some are welcome back, some are kind of just uh, not really communicated with a whole bunch. And, um, you know, but I think the Panthers kind of in the middle, you know, they do some things for the alumni. It's not their primary goal, mm -hmm. it's to win football games. But, you know, once you're a Panther here, you always felt like with. Mr. Richardson, and, and now even with Mr. Tepper, he's kind of kept that same thing along, that, that former players are welcome, um, and they've really kept us in the family. So couldn't say enough uh, seeing the praises of Coach Rivera and all he's done for this franchise, and he will coach again. Absolutely. Uh, could be a head coach um, very quickly, and if not, would definitely be a defensive coordinator because he cut his chops at that position and was – well-respected for a ton of years in the NFL. Yeah, came up with uh, the great Jim Johnson, who was the defensive coordinator mm -hmm. I played for with the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's a great coach, and you can see he wants to coach right away. I know some people question that, whether he's going to take some time out. But he's a football coach. He's done it probably 30-plus years, and uh, not maybe not even counting the time he was a player. So he's going to get right back into it. He's going to find a home pretty soon. And we Now, we, we've seen this. We've been in the NFL. We've covered it for so long that um, coaches – Besides a few guys that just really have just sustained long longevity, where you got a Belichick because you got a Brady, and you got Peyton because of Breeze um, with the Saints, uh, so there's anomalies like that that happen where they can be with some club for 12, 13 years. But it seems like even the best of coaches, and we saw it with Coach Fox, you know, at, at the end of nine, eight, yeah. ten ish seasons, it's it's kind of their message maybe gets a little stale in the locker room or they get a little burned out it's it, it's just sometimes time for a change and I think that's what Mr. Tepper recognized is that he wants this team to be in the Super Bowl within you know five or seven years and that's going to be a building process um he wants to set expectations at that level I'm sure he'd like to be there right now or next year or the year after um but I think resetting the coaching position and getting his hire as he said put his own stamp on it yeah um he can start to to build this franchise and I think what it does for him is it resets resets all expectations for Carolina Panther fans it does not a total rebuild but a pretty close uh second to it with you know we don't know what Cam Newton will be doing um and what are the decisions in that process that makes a big impact on it how viable this team will be for a Super Bowl in the next few years and once that decision is made, then a lot of other decisions, you know, after that will kind of follow. Uh, so, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad, so 
fantastic that the Panthers handled it the way they did. It didn't feel like a someone getting fired yeah. whatsoever. It was like a tribute. Very party. unusual. Uh, yeah, you just don't see that very often. No, they they did a great job, and I think it's uh, in recognition of uh, who Ron Rivera was and what he meant to this team. Look, twenty five years of Panthers football, and uh, it, you know a new owner comes in. He has his philosophy. He's been around football for a while. Wealthiest owner. Uh, in the NFL, he wants to do things his way. That's that's his M.O. That's who he is when he's not doing football. He's a great businessman, and he wants to get great people around him. I think he showed tremendous patience with Ron Rivera, Marty Herney, this staff, the football team, on the way it was run. He didn't come in and change the football part of it. He came in right away, day one. You saw a lot of changes in the front office, in the building. Uh, so now I think he said, well, we're not going forward with Ron Rivera. I'm going to let him go. I'm going to start the process. I'm going to be respectful. I'm not going to do this behind his back. And I think uh, although we don't like it, we hate to see guys lose their job. The job was undone. He had four weeks left to finish the job with his guys. That did not happen. We felt some kind of way about it. But I think for Ron Rivera, I think it's the best thing. It allows him to take a breath, play some golf, get ready for the next opportunity, next round of interviews. And for this team, you would hope that it charges them a little bit to go forward here. Didn't look like that Sunday. The team was still – you know, pretty much what we had seen the the, the first uh, portion of this season, just out of sorts, just disappointing, just not executing at a high level. Yeah, and we'll we'll get more into the game uh, here in a second because it, I think it, um, you know, there's some factors why that I don't think that they didn't perform as well as they should have this weekend. But I think it'll be a big bounce back week. I think they'll, they'll actually put in a good performance. So we'll we'll look ahead to Seattle later in the show. But one bit of news that also happened before the game against Atlanta was re-signing of or the extension yeah. for Shaq Thompson and um, I think that you know you and I were talking up before the podcast and really looking at that linebacker unit um, you know you've got two guys that are proven and they can do it and play that that middle linebacker or, or one of the two backers in the three four set and Shaq's one of them you got to find a way mm-hmm. to keep them yeah, I mean, a, still a young, talented uh, football player. I mean, he played running back. He was a safety at Washington. He's just done so many things. So you talk about the versatility of a Shaq Thompson, the depth on this football team, and you look out around the NFL, who can you bring in? Now, the money doesn't worry me. I know some people will try to match the money with the production, but right now that, that never matters in the NFL. It matters the timing, right? And when guys come up, and, and that situation will change, right? He's first to the table. He's going to get the, mm-hmm. the bulk of the money right now. Free agency will still hit uh, in March, and guys will get paid, and his number will bump down a little bit. Um, but I think he is a versatile young linebacker, and they don't have a lot of those on the roster. Right. And they're not a lot around the NFL. So you keep him, you tie him up, and he's just I – mean, he's had an emotional uh, season. He's lost his mom mm-hmm. and uh, up and down season. But we've seen flashes of brilliance from Shaq. Thompson over the course of his career, but more importantly uh, now, and you hear his teammates and his coaches, Perry Fuel talked about him and his leadership. That's something that we haven't heard. And Thomas Davis is not here. And we've seen how when other leaders move out of the way, other guys, other cream rhymes to the top. Uh, so congratulations. We're players. We know how hard it is to get that kind of money. We know what it takes to get to that level. I have nothing but congratulations for a guy like Shaq Thompson that got rewarded for his play. Yeah, and he has been, um, you know, he's had some some great games this season. He's had some other games where he's, he's had some issues and things like that. That, um, But I think overall, like you said, he's a quality player. You want to lock him up. He's just the first of many guys that they're going to have to yeah. either think about resigning or actually get signed. Um, 
I think they're in really good cap position right now. It's um, and the cap should go up again this year from what the, er the early reports are saying. So there'll be some money to spend, and, and as always, it won't be a you know I'm sure it's not going to be a huge amount, but they'll seems like they've worked through it uh, the last few off seasons and done a good job of of getting guys in the fold. We were all excited about this roster going into the season, yeah. and the, the Cam Newton injury really derailed. A lot of it, but doesn't mean those pieces that they brought in couldn't help us next year if Cam's healthy and things are going really well for this team. So even some of the older players, you might want to lock them in for another year or two. But we'll see. That's ahead. We got to talk about this Atlanta Falcons game. I, I want to start on defense a little bit because um, with Coach Fuel taking over the team uh, and seeing how this defense performed, um, I, I kind of alluded to the fact there's some reasons. I think. One thing, it's not an excuse. It's just the reality of the situation, and I've been through it because uh, I've been on a team where the coach was, was fired midway through the season. We had six games to go. I was in Houston, and Jack Pardee got fired, and they elevated Jeff Fisher. Um, we had won one game up to that point. We played six games after that and only won one game. Um, but I will say there was, there was a different attitude in the locker room. Guys were competing. The games were closer. We were fighting. We did get another win in there. Um, but it's not going to just – change everything instantly so I think anyone that was expecting this a big performance Sunday was was probably in for a reality check because you have all this distraction distractions in the NFL equals death it equals losses mm -hmm. and with coaching changes with so many things going on with this team a short week and everyone having to you know this was basically a, a surprise I think on Tuesday and so all these people adjusted their jobs and what they had to do with, with Norv Turner and Scott Turner and then uh, Perry Fuel with what he does on the defensive side and how things were going to be called. It's a lot of moving pieces to get in order to get straight and look like a productive unit on a Sunday. And game plan and get all that stuff in. So all those changes and getting used to who, who's leading the meetings, who's um, you know rallying the troops, how you organize everything. I mean, it's a lot. We know how much it is on a normal game week with the game plan uh, really dropping on a Wednesday and getting right into maybe inside run on Wednesday and more third down situations on Thursday uh, and then red zone and, and some other things and cleaning up situational football on Friday. So it, it has been a lot. To me, it sounded like the decision to go to Perry Fuel, and I've kind of seen it a number of ways, was more of a David Tepper, Mr. Tepper's decision. Like that's the guy he wanted to lead this charge for the last four weeks. Usually you see uh, someone put in the place that the guys are going to rally behind. And we'll get into Dante Jackson. It does not feel like this team is rallying much behind uh, Perry Fuel and his philosophy and how he wants to go about running this football team. Um, so, you know, it, it makes it that much more difficult because – the rallying charge is win this, you know, let's win for Coach Rivera. But what about this interim coach? We've seen it with Freddie Kitchens up in uh, in Cleveland, and the guys really wanted him to be put that uh, up in that position as an interim coach and later gets the job because you like him. This is a coach you rally behind. doesn't feel that way. So many things come together for a 40 to 20 defeat this weekend uh, against the Atlanta Falcons that it's just, I mean, we got a lot to get into, but it's, it's something's off. There's a disconnect here between the players coaches front office they have to find a way to get it together here the last three weeks yeah because I think what you're seeing from this defense was of more of the same that that t Atlanta was able to run the ball on them they're able to do some uh, play action off of that which is right in their wheelhouse uh, Matt Ryan had a really good game the receivers did well at times um, you know the defense made some stops but I think probably the biggest thing to address is right off the bat was you know that with the Panthers trying to get back in that ball game, did a calculated risk on a third and long situation where they had um, Atlanta backed up. 
on their own seven-yard line, and Coach Fuel makes the decision to, you know, let's just run an all-out blitz, man-man coverage on the outside, and let's see if we can get a spark play, as he called it. Needed something to, to spark the team. Um, but it backfired, backfired big time with um, the ball getting connected to Zacchaeus, who uh, actually caught that his first pass ever in the NFL. was a touchdown, 93-yarder, and the longest of Matt Ryan's career. Yeah. So you got a guy that never caught, caught a ball in an NFL game. I guess he's, he's got to have that ball somewhere. I'd carry it with me for the next week, right? I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. I mean, where does he go from here? One catch, 93 yards uh, I to played the 196 games, man. I never – I never man, I, got, I, I had nothing that would make me want to keep a football. That's a high. That's a that's a huge play. And, and I understand the philosophy from Perry Fuel. Uh, I feel like uh, it, coaching, my thought process with football is to be aggressive – backed up you want to get guys in um, Matt Ryan's face you want that ball to come out his hands quickly and you hope that your coverage can hold up zero blitz um, man the man no deep safety to be that that net back there in mm -hmm. case uh, it all breaks down what has to happen is you have to get there if you're going to rush eight somebody has to come free you're mm -hmm. counting on the guy to come free that ball to come out um, off timing errant throw didn't happen he stepped back he threw it off his back foot he took a hit for it mm -hmm. and he delivered a strike now the next thing that has to be done and we saw Dante Jackson you got to make a tackle man he wasn't blown out of his socks where the guy was five yards behind him or at least the throw allowed him to catch up enough where it didn't look that bad but you gotta get some type of body control mm -hmm. and get the guy on the ground and salvage that touchdown Tackle him. Get a pass interference. Get the ball at that spot. But you cannot, in that situation, give up a 93-yard touchdown. Yeah, and I think when I watched that rush that, you know, probably because they wanted to disguise it really well, but several of those, the defensive backs and linebackers that were rushing came from depth. Yeah, late. And so, I, you know, I don't know if that was the plan or they needed to be up closer to the line. Um, obviously, Matt Ryan's really smart. And he's going to get rid of that ball if he sees it. And I felt like some of those guys, the position they're blitzing from, um, you know, they were kind of getting there the same time as some of the D linemen. You know, if you're, if you're blitzing a guy, you want to bring him because you want to overwhelm an offense and send one more guy than they can possibly yeah. block and hope that that guy gets through. And one of our DBs got there. He was the one that, that got the hit. I don't remember um, the name, but I remember he came from depth. And um, so I think that that gave Matt Ryan just that little extra time. And I give credit to – to Dante afterwards because he did take ownership where he said, you know, hey, I was beat right off the get-go. Um, and basically he had to just play catch-up mode from there. Uh, I think that the big disconnect, and we might have the same opinion on this or might not, I don't know, but to me in the, the football I grew up in and in the football I know is just, you know, that locker room is sacred that you, you yeah. have trust there. And what we've seen from Coach Rivera and Coach Fox is they rarely, if maybe even never, call out individual never. players. Yep. Um, even when reporters are guiding them towards, you know, what what did you think of Cam Newton's throw on fourth and three? What they're really saying is, tell us what Cam did wrong so we can blame him. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect scenario where, where Coach Rivera would deflect it and say, you know, well, he was, he was getting some pressure. Doesn't tell who was giving the pressure, you know, um, or, you know, didn't didn't get it to the right spot, you know, he didn't blame a receiver for not being where he needed to be or where the ball needed to be. It's just they were always really good about that. And for Dante, you know, it goes both ways. So if you want your business out there and you want Coach Fuel. He will. You know, He's next not afraid, week, yeah. you know, you know, hey, we 
they completed um you know we had a real tough tough day out here this week or we had a great day but you know on the back end of it dante jackson gave up three big passes for us the rest right. of the team was was solid you know it, it just it doesn't give you free reign to just say what you ever want to say there, there's going to be repercussions so to me in a nutshell it's it's just keep your mouth shut and certain details of the game you know you want to provide the fans with knowledge of it and everything that's going on but there's so many other parts that work into this thing you can't ever blame it on one thing and for him to blame a call and then call it out even if he's right because it was something new right he Mm -hmm. said they hadn't run that a whole lot before in that exact situation Um, players got to just play whatever the call is but coaches want reps you know that's what they always said about Kyle Allen let's get him to 5,000 reps because then that's when his experience will kick in so you you got to go with it sometimes and do some things that are new to you. But um, obviously that play didn't respond like they wanted to, and then it's it's kind of caused another distraction because you know they'll keep asking about it. Once yeah. it's a story out there, there's not really anywhere to go back from it. I mean, you just – I think he was wrong, and I also think he was not right, right? So he's wrong because that's just not what you do. I, I don't know about you, but I struggle doing this job because I don't want to call guys out. Yeah. It feels wrong. I'm not in that locker room. We barely know the guys personally that are playing for that team, but it feels wrong to call out an individual on poor play, uh, individual play, bad performance. It feels it's just not right. Mm-hmm. It's because of how we were raised in the game. It's because of the culture in that locker room. You just don't want to do that. His coach stood to the podium today at his press conference. We handled it in-house. Yes, I talked to Dante. We're gonna, we, we've taken care of that. And there's no other questions to be asked because you're not getting anything else. You're not going to call a game a guy out like that. Is he in a, the most advantageous position one-on-one? No, I don't care how fast he is. He's a second-year player. This guy across from him is a pro. I don't care how many balls he's caught throughout the course of his career. So it's a tough snap. It's a tough snap for Dante, sure enough. Uh, but to call his newly appointed interim head coach and play caller on the defensive side out uh, was just not right. And, and uh, you know, I was on the radio this morning. I said what I would like to see is those veterans say, hey, this is not how we do it. That's, this is how you – this is what pros do. We keep it in-house and let it let it go like that. He's a young player. He's still learning. You don't want to do that. What you do is open up that box where now everybody's going to start critiquing every snap he takes. Do you, I guarantee you, you watch social media, every time he misses a tackle – gets burned, somebody's going to point it out to him. Now, they're going to call him out. And I I know that may not bother him, but I think he didn't have enough time to kind of calm down, cool down, and uh, think about what he was actually saying on that. Yeah, and it's tough because he's young, he's a competitor. Absolutely. And, you know, part of it's you're embarrassed and you're trying to kind of mitigate what happened when you're talking to the press. You know, and uh, we've been there. You know, I'm sure there were situations where – you know, they asked the offensive line, you know, you guys gave up seven sacks today. And, you know, we're like, what? I'd love to say the quarterback held onto the ball way yeah. too long. Or, hey, the back is part of the protection, too. That's where the sack came from. Like, mm-hmm. but you never did it. Um, you just never really called those things out. So you keep it to yourself. So I, I think we're in agreement there. And I think it's a tough lesson for him, but it, it's something he'll learn. And it's just, it's the trust. And, you know, part of what you put into it, you're going to expect it back. And, you know, you call out somebody, then that kind of opens the door for them to, to call you out on certain things. And you don't want that stuff public. So hopefully Coach Fuel has really contained that locker room. That's a big test is to see if you could combine tough, hard-nosed, old-school discipline that Coach – I mean, coach that, that uh, David Tepper was talking Looking about. Looking forward, with yeah. Modern processes and 
and what they do with analytics and, and combine those things. Yeah. And so the first thing with a disciplined team is that everyone's on the same page. Everyone's traveling the same direction, rowing the same way, whatever you want to say it. It's their lock and step. Everything that they do is, is in sync. And a big part of that is, is how the locker room's handled. How do you talk to the media and how do you uh, take care of your business? And that's something he had to clean up right away that I'm sure he was, didn't want to have to deal with, especially a guy that's a position he's coached. Um, to have to go through that process. But I'm sure he's had a meeting and, and talked to everyone and said, look, this, we know this is an issue, and I talked to Dante, and I'm sure they handle it real well in-house. Yeah, just handle it in-house. Forget about it. You still have three games to play, and they're important. Uh, David Tepper, Marty Herney, those guys are watching every single snap. They want, want to see who's bought in, who do we bring back, who don't we need. Uh, new coaches coming in, whether they like it or not. And his philosophy is going to be different from an X's and O's standpoint and from a personnel standpoint, you may not be his guy. I don't care where you got drafted. You mm-hmm. may not be his style of cornerback. So they may not be able to get off of a Dante Jackson, but you'll get phased out because they'll get bigger, more physical corner. I, I don't know that, but you just have to be careful. These guys have to go out and perform at a high level. They cannot tank. Uh, you cannot put bad product on the field. And we saw more of the same. I think that that's what we, we take away from this. We didn't see any type of improvement or inju- adjustments at all the same thing we got from the first Atlanta Falcons game it looked like the same issues popped their head up and then you get Devontae Freeman back and he's running uh, like crazy they lost Calvin Ridley but before he left he had 76 yards and a touchdown Mm -hmm. it was a very productive day for Matt Ryan in that offense yeah and I think defensively um, although that was a big play that Dante Jackson led up it definitely was not a a game changer in any way it really just kind of solidified the lead that the Falcons had and and they were in firm control of the game yeah. and why because the defense like you just mentioned with Devontae Freeman just did not show up in stopping the run it's been a problem all year long I, we've we've talked about it every week and basically I'm saying to you as, as a former offensive lineman to a D lineman it, it feels like to me um, that this defense will have to be scrapped and yeah. and mold it again next year. And if it's a three four, then find some better pieces that can fill those those roles up front to be run stoppers and, and figure that out. Or if you go back to the four three, um, you know, get another big defensive end in here. I think some of the young linebackers can mold into a you know, like a Mario Addison type where you, you can bulk up a little bit and be good against the run, but you're not always paired up with a tackle and a tight end maybe to your side. You play the weak side. Um not sure how that all would look, but I just know that this year does not look like other defenses we've seen roll in here for the last 20 years. Between Fox and yeah. Rivera, um, might not be every season, but more often than not, the, the defense showed up every year and stopped the run and did a good job at that. Yeah, Cam Newton's changed a lot. Since he got here in 2011, he sh- everybody's watched the offense, right? Whether you think he had weapons around him or not, that the attention has been there, but since I got here in 2002, there's been a standard on the defensive side of the ball. This has been the first year since I can remember in 2002 where that standard is not upheld. This team has had the ball run on them all year. They've put up big sack numbers, but they don't feel like they've been difference making sacks. We've mm-hmm. seen some strip sack fumbles, recover the ball, uh, end of game situations where we need a sack and we've come up with it but it hasn't been difference-making plays on that side of the ball. And I think it's uh, personnel. You tried to slide to the 3-4 or some combination of both, but now you're, you're out of whack 
personnel wise, and I've probably been saying it for the last three weeks. You got a bunch of three techniques. You got a bunch of penetrators, guys who want to get up the field, cause disruption, and you don't have the big wide body who's going to keep bodies off Shaq and Luke. And it's really hurt their performance. We've not seen the same performance out of Luke Keekley. He's getting older. He's slowing down. There's some opportunities that, you know, we can go on film and point to that I think he can be better in just his one-on-one situations, taking on a fullback, shedding, making a block. He's not doing that this year for some reason, but a lot of it has to do with the guys up front. He doesn't have those big bodies any longer. Uh, All the guys are kind of finesseful football players. Nobody who's going to sit down and just eat up a double team and and, uh, be satisfied with it. So you're going to have to shift. If you're going back to a 4-3, now you're going to ask, ask some uh, undersized outside linebackers to put their hand in the ground and be front side of a of play. I think you're going to suffer on the edges if you try mm-hmm. to do that, where we've seen really uh, the holes be in the middle of the field. So that shift back is going to take a while. Burns can put on weight, Addison, but then you you know, you know think of Marquise Haynes. What is he going to do? He's not getting to 270 pounds. Uh, Christian Miller has a big frame, but he's a thin guy. Is yeah. he going to get to 260? Two two seventy to be able to hold up. It's it's another shift coming. It, it's going to be a process, and I know uh, you know Mr. Tepper said as much. Marty, I know those guys. They're going to have to go into this draft in this off season thinking about what the coach is going to, the defensive coordinator he's going to bring in, what this defense looks like, and the pieces they're going to be able to retain that fit that scheme. Right now, the scheme and the personnel don't match, hasn't matched all preseason, all season. It's been ugly. Yeah, and it's it's been since day one of this season. You know, there's been up and downs in a lot of different areas of this team, but the one thing it's consistently doesn't seem to be able to do is stop the run yeah. every week. Um, they had opportunities when they got leads on people and could, really grind on the clock a little bit and, and get them out of their comfort zone, make them throw more. But uh, it's definitely something that has to be fixed uh, this offseason. It's going to depend a lot on who David Tepper hires as the new head coach and what his background is. It, you know, if he's going for a younger, innovative offensive guy, you could see a formula like they have with the Rams where they bring in a, a proven defensive coordinator yeah. that um, has had an extensive track record with a 3-4 scheme that can come in here and, and just seamlessly put in – you know, processes and rules and everything they do on defense that, that they can just play fast again. You know, it feels like a lot of it's robotic trying to get to gaps because it doesn't feel like at times they're explosive, they're blowing up plays, they're making things to screw up the blocking in the, in the backfield. It's just everybody kind of going to their area and hoping somebody makes a tackle because it's just not a lot of fight there. And I'm not sure that when that happens and what we don't see that goes on in the locker room, I know on the offensive side that – Sometimes when things aren't going well, you add this, you change that, let's tweak this. And before you know it, there's a whole list of of things that you have to worry about before a game. And if you're thinking too much, you just can't react. Can't, and, can't and play it, fast. And at times it looks like they're frustrated because they want to make the play. They're working hard. We know that they're trying to be 100% out there and give their best. But when you see Luke in frustration and other guys disappointed and, and getting up or their body language isn't showing it right, you can tell that defense just isn't feeling it. And they – they don't have any confidence in themselves right now that they can stop a run. They're confused. I, I counted at least 10 snaps. I stopped counting at 10 <laughs> where the outside linebackers are flopping strongly. D linemen can D-line only count to 10, are, right? Yeah, that's it. D line only my counts limit. to 10. Yeah, 10 yards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching those guys flip flop. Strong side linebacker, weak side linebacker. It's late in the snap. They're a little bit confused. Somebody's not aligned. They're looking back at Luke. Luke's up in the line of scrimmage trying to get guys situated. 
this is late in the season. There's three weeks left in the season, and they don't know how to line up. Mm-hmm. That's bad. It's, I counted ten snaps like that. I know they see it on film. I don't know if it's too much for them as far as understanding the calls and the alignment. I mean, you're going through OTAs, you're going through training camp, and I mean it's it's week fifteen coming up. I just don't understand how you get to that point where no one understands. It's the same guys. It's not a bunch of new guys, new personnel. They don't know where to get lined up. If you can't get lined up, you're probably not going to be sure of your assignment before no. the snap. And if you're not sure, you're, I mean, you're guess you're out of whack, man. And then Luke's behind, he sees it all play out in front of him and he's doing too much. Mm-hmm. I, I got, I got to get to this gap. I know he's going to get reached. I, I got to get there, but it cuts football. It's, I mean, it's like water through, you know, yeah. cracks, man. It's going to find the weak point. It will find it. That ball is going to wind back. Those running backs have great vision. We've seen it all year. If Luke tries to help his guys out up front because they're a step late and a dollar short, he's going to get gashed on the backside. He's going to get pushed by. The cutback's going to happen. It's going to be on the safeties. It's going to hit them so fast as they approach their gaps. They're going to be on their heels. There's no way to catch those running backs. They're off to the races. Well, the running game definitely poses a challenge for that defense, but then, you know, something that we can always hang our hat on was the pass rush. Uh, They're at 47 for the year right now, which is a phenomenal number, but just one against Matt Ryan. And really, Al, there was not – a lot of pressure on him. There's a few hits. There's a few hurries. Yeah. Um, but you never really felt like he was under duress the whole day. And I think for a group that, that's kind of hung its hat on the fact that they can get after the quarterback, um, you got to find those opportunities. They really couldn't get there. Yeah, and it's not a great – this Atlanta Falcons offensive line struggle. It's not a great offensive line. And uh, they found a way with the play-action pass, with keeping this team off balance in the running game to to hold up. And Vernon Butler got through. He beat a double, did a really good job. Big, strong football player. And amazing. he got his hands on Matt Ryan and, and flung him to the ground. And, and that's the that's the only highlight. I mean, you know, no Bruce Irvin, no Mario Addison. Uh, I feel like um, from Brian Burns, he was a little hesitant. He was not flying off the ball at times. And I don't know what – the scheme was or why he was kind of waiting at the line of scrimmage. It was just off. I think it was just bad football all around. And you want them to be better. You want them to execute uh, more consistently. They just have not here down the stretch. Well, we'll have to see how this, this team performs these last three weeks. Cause I, I kind of give them a pass this week because of, of making the coaching change and all that. But um, can we get back to form with getting some turnovers? You know, it's about winning these games. And I know fans are probably want to see him lose so we get a better draft pick. 50% want to see him win because you want momentum into the offseason to give people something to to be excited about. You don't want to end on what would be an eight-game losing streak. You know, last year seven was bad enough. Yeah. Um, And how you felt that offseason. It's, you know, you – for Mr. Tepper, it's about – it's an entertainment business. Uh, They're there to win football games, and it also needs to be entertaining. You know, no one wants to see a 10-7 to ball game. So how do you put this team together that you can stop people? Um, But then offensively, you know, how do you get those points? And for the offense, um, you know, basically we can just sum it up, you know, three turnovers. Um, Can't do it. A fourth one on a kickoff return, obviously, or a punt return. 
uh, but three turnovers, no takeaways of the Falcons, and that's the biggest indicator. I mean, that's, that's the one stat line you look at and you say, like, yeah, I bet I bet the Falcons won that game pretty handily with their three turnovers. Yeah, you can't you can't turn the ball over if you're on the offense. You uh, don't want to give a very explosive and a very capable offense. We saw that the last time they were here, opportunities to have the ball in their hands. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, you know that they can score. And, um, you know, breakdowns and protection, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey again. I mean, he's as tough as nails. He's just not big enough mm -hmm. to sit in there and take on these linebackers and defensive ends um, as he steps up in protection. He is giving the effort. But he can't get them on the ground. He can't stop them. They're just bull rushing them and getting to the quarterback. And then Tack McKinley has another day. That Atlanta Falcons uh, defensive line feels very confident. We knew that after the first game. They come in, uh, try to see uh, some of the same things. We didn't see the heavy bull rush, but they were able to get to Kyle Allen. And then there are times when, man, he's, he's feeling the pressure. He's mm -hmm. feeling it before it gets there. Yeah. Where we've seen him step in there, confident, deliver the ball, knowing he's going to take a hit. This time – he just didn't want any parts of it. That pocket collapsed, and, uh, you know, he just – he folds, and or he runs backwards, it mm -hmm. turns his back, the ball comes out. It's just – it's a lot of bad things, and it's not just one person. It's not just Kyle. It's not one guy, Christian McCaffrey, or one guy on the offensive line. It's a complete breakdown of the offense, and it happens really in all three phases. You talk about the fumble on the kickoff. Um, you know, a guy they just put back there, just brought up, and – I mean, he gets nailed. He gets mm -hmm. nailed again, but luckily his knee is down. And, uh, you know, that one is not a fumble. So you got to clean those things up. It's bad all three phases of the game. Yeah, and I think they only surrendered a field goal after that too. Mm -hmm. So, that you know, as much as we were on the defense, you know, early in that game they made a couple of good stops. You know, it's just I feel like with the defense it's they're only going to play as well as the offense plays. Because it's a team game, and they haven't built that trust that, like, okay, we know they can score three touchdowns. You know, that when the Panthers came back from a 20 nothing deficit or whatever it was against the Eagles last year, um, when they left that game, you felt like, hey, if Cam's out there and available, like, we have a chance. You got a Play shot. hard. That's right. But I'm wondering now, like, if, you know, they're playing it close and the offense is playing it close and then some big plays happen for the other team. Uh, it just feels like the wind comes out of everybody's sails and the, the body language gets different. What I was curious to watch in this game was, okay, Scott Turner's calling the plays. What are some of the differences that I'm seeing? Um, for me, there was a, there's a few things that I thought was nice. Um, you know, Kyle Allen, uh, basically, I think he completed a fair share of his passes, and his passes looked very similar to what he's done. But he had six rushes for 24 yards and then actually ran one in for the touchdown. And some of those were planned where he could run or pass. Um, had a boot boot action a couple of times. A yeah. um, couple times just scrambled because – Quick was, decision on those. Yeah. Yep. And he can run. You know, it's just I think speeding up his clock and just knowing, okay, there's nothing really positive to be gained by sitting in his pocket or trying to retreat backwards – either get rid of the ball or just go get some yards. And I thought that was encouraging because that's something I haven't seen. And then, you know, a couple of the boots that we ran, that's usually was Cam Newton's thing. And we get to see him do that. And I yeah. think he did a good job with some of those plays. Ian Thomas did another day. Yeah, yeah. he had another and good day. He's very athletic, tight end. And on those bootlegs, those crossing routes, even uh, Manhurts had a, had a reception. You get an athletic tight end out in space, you want to boot. Get that matchup problem. Mm -hmm. And Kyle Allen did a really good job on the move uh, delivering the ball. So he is plenty athletic. It's It comes down to decision-making, 
taking care of the ball, the turnovers, uh, you know, just to jump back before we go forward with the offense, the turnovers, they put the defense in bad spots. Now yeah. you're playing sudden change defense. It's exhausting. You said it takes the wind out of them. It literally does to go sit down and mm-hmm. pop right back up because there's a sudden change. There's a quick uh, turnover and you're back on the field. You just – the fight is just taken out of you when that happens. Well, the – Offensively, you know, Christian had another good day, 135 yards total. A little bit off, you know, what we're used to seeing him at. And, you know, they ran for 100 yards and, you know, averaged 4-5 a carry. So that, that's good amount per carry. That's that's it's winning decent, football, yeah. you know. But um, I think, you know, one of the things that I saw was they did keep Christian McCaffrey in a little bit to pass block in a supportive way, which I thought was good. Um like you said, sometimes when it's he has to take on a D lineman or a full-speed linebacker blitzing through a gap, that can be difficult for him just because of mm-hmm. the size factor, right? But what I saw a few times was fake the handoff, maybe a little bit of play action, and then he would tail off. It's maybe four times in a game, tail off right or left and help out Moten or Daly and just kind of be an extra body there that would help out, and it helped with protection. Now, you don't have an important weapon out there, but you brought up Ian Thomas, and I think that – kind of highlighted, you know, he had a lot of targets in that game um, because of some of the protection and the play action off of that, and it goes right into what Ian Thomas does best with these crossing routes, get him with a full head of steam. I mean, athletic, he's a man. big athletic guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and force, when you come right down to it, is mass times acceleration. That's right. And, and Greg's big. Um, Ian Thomas is big, but Ian Thomas is faster. There's a difference. There, there's athleticism and speed there, and it's Greg's just an older player, and you're, you, you're revered when you're an older player because that means you've lasted a long time in a young man's game, mm-hmm. and you've done work. Yeah, I mean, he could be a future Hall of Famer. But at this point, when I'm watching him, he just looks like the, the tight end that we need to have that's the future of the, the franchise and made some really good plays. It's just a shame because Greg's been very productive this year, maybe not his best year, right, but – you didn't see any reason to take him off the field until he got injured. Um, so Ian Thomas hasn't hardly played all season long, yeah. and then you're counting on him for this game. It's a fine line between developing young talent and putting a guy like Greg Olson on the field. His leadership, you watch him in the huddle, he's getting everybody lined up. You want him on the field because you kind of need him with a backup quarterback, mm-hmm. right? But what you do is stunt the development of a guy like Ian Thomas. You, When Greg was hurt, you know, last year and year, like this guy flourished, Those and then all of a sudden, yeah, beautiful. He, he disappears. So you know that he has it in him, and now we're seeing it the last two or three games with Greg being in the concussion protocol. He is what you need. You look around, turn turn on the San Francisco 49ers and, and look at George Kittle. Uh, look what he did at the end of that football game with the Saints. Yep. You need that kind of athleticism, that kind of determination, and. Although Ian Thomas is not George Little, I mean he is, he's athletic. He yeah. he's determined, and he's not ducking contact. He's not giving those guys well, an easy win, stepping out of bounds. At this point in Greg's career, with the injury history, he's just trying to get the yards he can get, and he's going on the ground. Ian Thomas is going to make you pay, and that's a difference maker. You need he, that he, type of athleticism. He brought pain. It oh, was one one first or second catch in that game where it was just down the sideline there, caught the ball with a full head of steam. And people paid on defense. I yep. mean, he he trucked a guy, knocked him right on his back. Two other guys trying to get him down on the ground. He he's not easily brought down. No, and no. I I to me, I've never seen something so scary. Like when I go to training camp and watch him on a crossing route, and he catches that ball full speed, and you got a DB that's got to take him down. 
those DBs for the Carolina Panthers were happy that it was like thud practice, right. that it wasn't full speed tackle to the ground because um, he's a menace. And I, I expect to see him. I, I bet he has a really – it was a solid game this week. He'd have a great game if it wasn't for that bobble. And I give him a free pass on the bobble because he just hasn't played. Yeah. And suddenly the ball's dropping in. It's a perfect pass by Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen did some really great things in the game. Yeah. Some of those throws were phenomenal. That was a beautiful there was, throw. There was three yeah. or four throws that I he, I wish he never threw. Uh, one of them was that, that deep interception and triple coverage. And I get it. You're trying to make a play. You're trying to make a play. Um, but really, speaking of Kyle, that was, to me, his only poor – major decision in that game that's the interception that should be counted against him mm -hmm. the Ian Thomas one shouldn't count and then the fumble he had shouldn't count because it was a blindside block that Dennis yeah. Daly misses and gives Beasley just a free shot from yeah. the backside well, fumble two one one guy he won they recovered got, yeah, yep. yeah you're right you're right he still, so he's, he's, he, oh, he still has a hold on to that can you ball get like a, can you make bigger hands can you do some finger extensions on there like it do. seems like does there's he a need a glove this time of year yeah something he gets hit and his fingers open instead of clinch <laughs> Like we got to work on. Yeah, some that people. Ball, you're man. right, man. Some people, you get hit, you pucker up and tense up, right? Yeah. Other he like people relaxes and goes a little limp. He's just like, <laughs> you got me. It's over. That ball's on if the ground. If it's not Way strapped to me, I'm letting it go. That's it. So we got. <laughs> he has to do better on that. But the the interception to Ian Thomas, you're right. He drops it over the defensive back, right in the hands of Thomas, and I think that hand, it's concentration. It's like a catcher on a fastball. You can't blink. Yeah. Like you get on the swing, you get you got to catch it. So he'll learn from that. He's going to get tons of one on one matchups like that, and I like that matchup. I like Ian Thomas versus a big old linebacker. He's spread out on that play. It's just a go route. I, I, that's a favorable matchup for the Panthers. Yeah. And it's, I'm sure you've been in a position where you get thrown into a game or someone got hurt, so you know you're getting in the game for the first time the next week. I can remember back in my situations, and it took me a couple plays. I, Maybe not get beat, but get my get my butt kicked a little bit. Oh yeah, where I was on the borderline of of giving up a huge sack or something like that. That in my mind, I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's not practice. I'm I'm right now. It's the way it's gonna be. It's gonna yeah. it's the way it's gonna be today. All right, yeah. and you know it's. it's you you think it's just easy to run in and just flip a switch and it's game time, you know? But it's such a difference in practice, especially now they they hardly hit each other. That um, you get that first couple contact or guys swiping at the ball, whatever you forget what real live football's like, and it's just it's everyone going full speed and fighting for possession of that football. They don't practice that way. We we've covered that. Go check out some <laughs> other episodes. We we look Podcast my five, eight, <laughs> ten, twelve. <laughs> we I, I remember my first start. It was actually here, two thousand two, uh, with the Carolina Panthers. I think. Um, Peppers is, is out the last four games, and I'm in there, and I'm excited, right? I'm too excited. The first three snaps, I think I died and came back to life. <laughs> I don't remember the first. I was so full of adrenaline, so excited. I think I came off the field, and, um, you know, Ruck and Kemp Rasmussen, they're looking at me, and they're, I think I did a good job that game, but – they were like, man, you are – like, you're moving faster. Than, like, I don't know what was going on. I was so <laughs> excited. Play football since I was nine years old. First NFL start. It was a regular season game. I think it was probably year eight of the ten that I played. So it was – you're, you're so excited. So I understand the nerves. He was much, a much younger guy. But that adrenaline will eat you up. And you're a little bit jittery out there as a defensive end. I think it worked in my favor in that case. But if you're Ian Thomas being able to concentrate body control, you, you know that could be hard. It's tough. I remember – 
going way back when I had my my first opportunity in a game. Not my first start, but I was a young player and I hardly knew what was going on. And our right tackle got a shoulder injury or an elbow or something. So he wasn't out the whole game, but I had to go in there for maybe 20 reps. And I remember getting back to the sideline, and I didn't remember one of them. Nope. Just my buddies, hey, great job filling in. Great job. Because like, no one knew how I was going to respond. You know, they're like – here we go. His yep. Donnelly. Yep. We've seen him get beat a lot in practice. He's a rookie. <laughs> we'll see if he can hold his own. And it was against Neil Smith, and we had a really good Ooh. game going that game. So it, it wasn't like we were behind having to throw it all the time. We were, we were in the ball game. So the, the, the down and distance and situation and the timing of it, it, it really worked out in my favor that I wasn't hung out to dry where it's down by 20 points and having to throw it every time. And you got Derek Thomas on one side and Neil Smith on the other. Uh, if y'all don't know, y'all need to look it up. Yeah, those are look it up. Two baddest Legends. dudes in the NFL. That's right. um, but anyway, it's you're right. And, it, um, you know, he played a lot last year. It's just it's not this year. And that's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal when you're standing around the sideline a lot and you're just playing a few special teams reps here and there or whatever. It's just different in how you prepare. So I expect him to be even better, even though he pulled in the five catches and and had a great day um, making some plays and yards after the catch. I think it'll be even better next week. Absolutely. And this is the this is the time that the Panthers aren't conceding this year. They're not trying to lose. I know you talked about 50% of the fans out there want to lose for draft position. It's a If all these things happen and you lose out, you can go from 12 to 9. I think we sit at 12 right now uh, for, for draft picks. But you're, you're going to see a lot more guys to get opportunities. But I think there are guys in position to help the team, like Ian Thomas. They're not just throwing them out there to see. I know the big question of the day, they're going to hear it for the next three weeks, is Will Greer, what is he going to do? That's where I was they're going gonna, next, Are we going to go and, and put this guy out here for the offense? Let's see what we what we have in, in Will Greer. And, I, I mean, I really have mixed opinions about that. But I'll yeah. let, let you take the first well, shot I, at it. I think the overall topic is what young guys can you get in there and get some reps to play. And um, if they're available and if they're healthy, you know, it, it's it's Burns, it's Christian Miller, yep. it's um, Dennis Daly and Greg Little. You know, if they got to both be out there at the same time, give them a shot. Because the offensive line now, the way it's composed, it, I don't think there's any magic formula to getting it to be where it needs to be. No. I think it's an off-season address that they take care of, O-line, D-line. We've talked about it on the show, so we won't rehash that. Um, but that's the big question is um, – some of those younger players that we have, you want them to play as much as you can. But the, the one big variable is Will Greer. And, and what do you do with that? Um, my opinion, I feel like he should play sometime. At least get him in there to just get his feet wet and just feel what it's like one time. Then he can go into the offseason knowing that he could check that box off. Like yeah. I had real NFL action and I got in there and maybe it didn't look good. Maybe it was 0 for 5. But at least he ran some real reps and – um, there's just something about the first time, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm on the sideline and I'm just waiting and I'm waiting and, and guys getting hurt. Is he ready? They come out. No, I think I'm going to be okay. So then you're like, okay, I'm not in. And there's always these like times that, um, you know, you think you can get in there and then suddenly, you know what the season's over. And I was glad I got some time my rookie year. Cause it at least gave me some stuff I needed to work on and what I could get better and what things, um, confused me or I did well. And I think in the, every individual player, it's, um, how they do in practice isn't always translate to the field yeah. um, because some of them can be bums in practice and they're gamers. Gamers. You know, We've gamers. seen it all, both directions. And guys yep. that, are, that are just – they do everything right in practice and make all the calls, but they freeze up. You know, they get into a real game and things just don't speed up for them there. You know, and it's controlled conditions. They look fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think there's different word coming out exactly how well he's – 
progressed over the year. Um, but at the same time, there's part of it that you just can't analyze in practice. You no. just got to throw a kid out there. And I'm not saying you start the game with him, but like this Falcons game to me, it's out of hand. There's about seven minutes left in the game. Just throw it in there. And you can head it off as a coach, say, look, there's no controversy. Kyle's our guy. I don't care. Will it went five for five and had two touchdowns. We don't care. We just wanted to get him some reps. Kyle's our guy. There's a way to, to kind of manage that. I don't know if you have a different opinion, but to me, I feel like sometime in these next three games, get him in there at least a little bit because um, at least you can see a little bit. I'm not saying you can make a decision on where he stands in terms can he be a backup or a good player in this league. It's just part of the process. Quarterbacks take a little while. They're doing it the traditional way. I would just like to see him get a few reps. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think we need to see Will Greer at some point in the season, whether it's at the end of football games that are out of reach like we saw in Atlanta. I think the fear, you know, what I heard from Coach Fuel today at the podium was that I, there's no controversy. We're not doing that. We have enough to deal with. We're not doing – the most popular guy on a football team has always been the backup quarterback, especially a one that is local – right here uh, from the Charlotte area, and then uh, you draft him in the third round. So, you know, you're, you're trying to weigh, you know, how much, you know, draft stock you use to, to bring him here. Why isn't he playing? And, and they keep saying because Kyle Allen gives us the best chance to win. And I think that means Will is still developing. He's mm-hmm. not there yet, but you got to throw him in there, right? Because – we both know that the preseason games, it's just one level. It's one tempo. He has never seen NFL football. He's not played NFL football. He's played preseason football, which we know on game day, that thing gets dialed up. Then you get to the playoffs, and it's dialed up even more. And I think he needs to see that. He needs to get in another game. It's been a while where it's hostile competition. They're going to be disguising coverages and blitzes. And how is he going to deal with that? This team needs to understand where they are. If Kyle's your guy, you say that. And you continue to say that. And you let Will get in there uh, throughout the course of maybe some games that get out of hand. Last game of the season, it's going to be the Saints, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, at home. I think that's the time. If there's ever a time you give him the ball – it's going to be some backups. They're going to already – they've punched their ticket. The NF South, NFC South is theirs. You give them the ball and say, hey, you got 60 minutes. Let's see what you got. It's going to be some backups out there, but he'll still get to see NFL uh, tempo football. I think the next two games, if it gets to a point where you want to swap them out and let them get a couple reps, fine. But don't make it like – you know, don't do it after a disappointing play from Kyle Allen right. because now it's a controversy. Right. So everybody's going, well, why didn't you do that? Why Why are you take so long? The guy's been turning it over, throwing interceptions. The backup quarterback is sexy. Will Greer deserves an opportunity. I think it'll be later in the season, though. Well, as many sacks as this team's giving up, probably like five a game over the last five or six weeks, uh, Kyle Allen's getting killed back there. Um, he's not the biggest guy in the world, and – some of those sacks can be uh, – he just gets abused. And so, uh, yeah, Wilger hasn't played. But you know what? Opening play of the Seattle game this Sunday at 1.06 p.m. They get the kickoff. They're on the 25-yard line, and they run play action, and someone comes free and knocks them out. Then Will Greer's your guy the next three games. Jadavion Clowney. And just to think, just one name. That's a bad man. That's a bad boy. So you don't want to put him in this. I think this is a terrible situation. You could break him in this game. They're coming off of a disappointing performance. Uh, They want to get right. 
this has traditionally been a very competitive matchup with the Seahawks, but I think when Cam's in there, I think he's been the difference maker because of Russell Wilson and the comparison and those two teams really battling for tops in the NFC. Uh, they're both not there right now. Seattle's going to come in here a little ticked off. They want to get a win, and they have a very athletic, talented defense. So it's going to be another huge challenge. I would not throw my rookie quarterback to the Wolves that way. No, I'm just saying that an injury comes up yep. is that he's going to have to eventually play uh, somewhere along the line, if that does come up, he mm-hmm. needs to be ready. So it'd be nice if, especially if a game's decided, whether in a real positive way, you know, the Panthers go out there and blow out the Seattle Seahawks. I, they well, certainly they know the talents there, that if they get on a rhythm offensively, we've seen them score some points. It could happen. I just want to get Will in there a little bit, um, whatever it is. I like your plan that if, if they can win a couple of ball games here and then that last one's meaningless – um, maybe let even Kyle start the game, but just know second quarter or something, he's going to roll out there. Yeah. Just get him some kind of reps. He but can sling it now. You brought up he Clowney. Sing, you brought it. up Clowney yes. and Seattle and that whole team. Let's just spend uh, the next couple of minutes here before we close out the show just talking about them. Um, this one deeply concerns me, Al, because mm-hmm. it's the third best rushing team in the league. They do excellent play action off of it. It works perfectly for what Russell Wilson's skill set is. And we can't stop the run. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's just on paper. It's not looking good for the Panthers. Not only a running game, but one of the more physical runners in Chris Carson in the NFL. No I mean, doubt. He's not ducking a punch. He's It's going to be physical, a bruising, mm-hmm. physical type attack. A, a guy that uh, I believe maybe a seventh-round pick out of Oklahoma State. I mean, he is – he has rushed the ball well, and he is a physical runner. They're good at run blocking, big physical offensive line, not so much in protection. You no, see I, I think Russell Wilson, 40 sacks. 40 sacks. They've, they've given up. He's running around like a crazy person. <laughs> but I think they give him deep drops and allow him to kind of see the free guy, make that guy miss, and find some talented receivers and tight ends down the field so this is a very capable offense they look terrible this past week but you know Pete Carroll uh, that coaching staff they're going to get those guys right to fly out east here to take on the Carolina Panthers yeah I think well they had a a away game last week they got to travel again this week it's a one o'clock game right so it's it's going to be like 10 a.m. to them they do have to travel across the country those are big advantages for the Carolina Panthers and I think you know that defense as you said has been um it's physical Tough defense, um, but they're kind of middle of the road in a lot of stat categories. Yeah. You know, there's not anything that they just do brilliantly. Uh, I will say I think they've only got 23 sacks on the year. So they're calling cards not bit. They're near the bottom of the league in terms of pressuring quarterbacks and getting sacks. So um, it's, it's for us, it's going to really come down to um, – obviously we talked about the defensive side and, and trying to contain Wilson in that running game. That's just going to be a bear. But offensively, um, you really got to be able to lean on the run. Uh, they – They've given up some good yardage in the run game. They've given up some explosive plays. They're not always consistent with it, but they're a solid defense, and they are young and physical. They're getting better every week. They are. They have a good uh, front four, uh, a lot of physical players, and then one of the all-time greats in Bobby Wagner in the middle, K.J. Wright, talking about Ian Thomas and that matchup. I want to see him match up against uh, some of those talented linebackers uh, for the Seahawks. So it's it's an important game for the Seahawks. They're still battling for the West. San Francisco is rolling. L.A. is making a last second surge here and in Seattle's I mean they need this win so it's important to them we'll see um if the Panthers can get up for this challenge well it's a pride thing go out there and ball you know what it's not been the season that you wanted but it's the season that you got and these players um 
I thought there were some good things on Sunday. It's just not enough from all the guys on the team. Uh, like I said, yeah. maybe give them a free pass for one week with the, the coaching transition. Uh, but I, I'm leaving this show positive. I, you know, we still have some really good weapons on offense. Kyle Allen has done some good things. He just needs more consistency. Um, the defense has got me rattled because of the run game. Um, but I think the offense, if it's on track and can get its rhythm going, um, can help that. And you can win a ball game, you know, hopefully 35 to 30. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're stopping anybody big time. But I think this offense has enough weapons. And Seattle's defense isn't like it was years ago with the Legion of Boom. There's no Legion of Boom back there, trust me. Right. DJ Moore, we've seen Curtis Samuel have some success. He's probably had the best year where he's running free. He's been missed five or ten times. Kyle Allen hasn't been able to get it to him. Uh, we saw that from Scott Turner, a lot more handoffs to you know to Samuel also. They have the talent on offense, Christian McCaffrey, to challenge the Seahawks defensively. That secondary has given up a lot of points, and they, we saw that this past weekend. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a good matchup. It always is. I'm expecting the same thing. It's at home. The Panthers desperately need this performance for their home fans. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be watching. It's all about the execution. That's, That's what right. we've been hearing, that the, the players are there and the scheme is right and all these different things. It's about executing. So, um, you know, I think uh, – I can't remember the coach's name. It was the old Tampa Bay coach. And they asked him, they were like, hey, man, how would you feel about the execution of your team today? And he said, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted them executed because they played so terribly because Tampa was losing so many games in a row. I don't want that. I want good execution from these guys. I don't want to leave the game feeling like um, we gave them some easy ones. Yeah, it's. I think right now you don't want to accept losses, but the thing that's hard for us to swallow is that they're not performing well. It's breakdown, so they can go out and execute, and, and if they get beat by a talented Seahawks team, I think you can live with that. And we've seen that throughout the course of the year where they've really competed and come up short. The last few games, though, it's just it's just been a mess. So we got to clean it up. We want them to do well. I am rooting for this team. I think they'll do good this Sunday. Well, I tell you what, I hope that all the fans out there listening to this broadcast feel a little bit of the positive energy that we got cooking in yes. here. I think it's going to be a good Sunday performance. Um, would love to see the fans come out. I know it's a disappointing season, but be out there, support the boys. It's going to make a difference for next year, man. you got to be out there and be loud. Uh, we'll be out there doing the, the pregame Panther Vision show, giving we'll everybody there. the details of what needs to be done in the game. And hopefully this Panthers team listens to it because we always got the answers. We're always right. We man. always got the answers. <laughs> they just don't listen, I guess. Yeah. So we appreciate you guys for tuning in this week. Um, again, I want to remind everyone that we will be – off next week with a caveat caveat that maybe we might have a little something we cook together get it from the bahamas yeah. and analyze what's going on with this panthers team from a nice cool that's drink right. Stay in, tuned. A, in a in a lounge some chair with some music that's right toes in the water that sounds good to me stay oh. tuned all right so we'll be back uh coming up in two weeks um for al and myself thank you so much for listening today and please um you can get this podcast anywhere you get your apple podcast google podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast and then when you do please rate us review us uh, subscribe to this tell some friends about it we're having a lot of fun doing it and uh it's been a good show, Al. Thank you for being here. And I will leave it on this. So long from the Carolina Lions.